there, Foxes fans, and welcome back to another edition of the U.S. Foxes podcast. Coming to you live, as always, from various time zones around the United States. I, as always, am your co-host, Matt Folks, joined by my fellow co-hosts tonight, uh, Mr. Chris Warner up in Del Mar. What's up, bud? Mate, you had more energy in that first 20 seconds than I saw <laughs> on the entire pitch last night. How you do, <laughs> yeah. mate? Yeah. I mean, I wish I could be joining you boys in a better circumstances than what's happened over these past seven days. I mean, just a, everything that you everything that could go wrong went wrong. It's a shambles on the pitch. It's a shambles off the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. All self-inflicted, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also joined this evening by uh, our good friend down in Houston, Texas, Mr. Jim Harris. What's up, bud? Probably about the same as uh, Chris, actually, and also yourself, Matt. But um, I couldn't think of two better people to commiserate with and, and share our woes or our wouts on, in public. And yeah, so... At least we have this. Wow, a mess. Uh, wow, a mess indeed. Shout out to our other co-host uh, in New York City, Jason Becker. He's got some work shit going on, so he uh, luckily gets to um, <laughs> skip this uh, fun show that we're about to indulge on. But shout out to Jason. Um, yeah, guys, coming to you live. It is uh, Tuesday evening here in San Diego, um, and coming to you live after two just gut-wrenching defeats we had spoken in the last match well we spoke in the last pod about a lot of things uh the emergence of daniel everson was one of my favorite topics and uh that's gone just about the way of our chances of staying in the premier league so it's kind of a fitting fitting thing um yeah defeats to fulham and liverpool have our foxes now in the most dire situation that we've been in well quite a long time almost a decade i'd say boys um Chris, we'll start with you, man. Uh, where, where, where's your head right now um, with, with this team and these players that uh, some of them certainly seem to be checking out next year's uh, clubs? I don't know where to start. Okay, my head, it's been a crazy 24 hours. I think immediately after the Liverpool game, my first thoughts were, all right, resigning to the fact it's going to be Stoke away on a Tuesday night in the middle of February coming next year. And then kind of talking to you boys before this and just hearing the idea that all we really need at the moment is a win kind of, they're just keeping me on the edge. <laughs> they're just, they're just keeping that last little thread of hope. And they say it's the hope that kills you. And it really is. I mean, yesterday was a mess. I, I, it, it, I wrote down some notes during the game and it sounds like, I'm just looking at them, it sounds like a Shakespearean tragedy. It starts off great, aggressive from the start, Madison with an edge. And then as you go through, it just gets Tealman's falling over. We're not organised. Why such a high line? We switch off. We switch off again. And at the end, mate, I just said, get rid of them all. Because that's sometimes <laughs> how you feel. It's like, the, to your point, commitment, passion. Like, 32 a thousand down there again last night, giving everything, clappers, singing, cheering the boys on, and just the most lackluster performance when you don't need it, mate. Yeah. Yeah. You well, I mean, I didn't mean to give you false hope when we were talking during the pre-show shit here. I was just going over the math of the thing. I mean, <laughs> because the, I, how you could get any semblance of hope or anything after watching 
the shit bags that we saw on the pitch wearing blue uh, yesterday and the amount of effort that they just did not give, plain and simple. I mean, it, it leaves a lot to be desired uh, or inspired, Jim. Absolutely. I think um, it's kind of getting a bit farcical in a way because, as, as, as Chris said, first 25 minutes, a glimmer of hope again. And, you know, I know we're, we're kind of skipping straight to Liverpool, but I don't think anyone wants to go back and talk about that Fulham game where an indirect free kick or, you know, a cross goes in for the first goal to, to crush our hopes in, you know, the yeah. first 10 minutes. 10 minutes. We have debacle of 20 minutes and the game's gone already. And we, you know, listening, I was listening as, you know, as a listener for the last couple, you know, to thanks for, I missed you guys for that and, you know, missing Jason tonight. But, you know, the positivity we kind of had of like, oh, Dean Smith and co are starting to, you know, at least show that we're putting in some effort and some, um, and, a, you know, John Terry, maybe hopefully get the defenders organized and at least Daniel Everson's keeping, you know, I know we had some like, yeah, we'd have been maybe battered by Everton, but if Daniel Everson hadn't become, a, you know, the second coming of Gordon Banks. Um, but at least we kind of had a bit of something to cling on to and we went to Fulham with, okay, this is now the must win. And we you know felt positive and clearly that didn't happen. Clearly Fulham listened to our podcasts and said, took offense to that. Um, and, you know, once again, missing a penalty, once again, confusion over what's happening. Yeah. That five, three scoreline is a bit, um, is a bit kind to us. Yes, it's, definitely. It feels like from earlier in the season when we talked about, uh, beating forest four nil, but yeah. it was flattering. The scoreline didn't represent the game. Right. And look, if, if the fact that we, you know, spammed a win against forest four nil and we stay up on the last day and on with one goal, goal difference, I don't care. Like at the end of the day now, it's just like grinding it, but I don't see the ability to grind. As Chris said, that it's just, we're like the, like Moses is the, you know, the attacking opposition and he's parting the, the, the sea and the midfield is non-existent. We have defenders that, or a defender, I'm going to say, who decides that he decides when he wants to head the ball or not, or, or do something. Um, and there's too many individual mistakes and there's not any, any, like any real sort of like effort. And I think that's the most galling thing that is Chris said, 32,000 plus fans, you know, the first 25 minutes they, you could hear them, you know, from, from the TV. You Literally know, didn't stop. To Macca, they did not stop. To our friends there, you know, Chris yeah. Watts, you know, who's, who was over there from North Carolina with Matthew, um, you know, fellow US Foxes fan, friends. And then all of a sudden, it's just like a freaking hoof from Allison that should have just been cleared. But what is anyway? I'm going to stop now. I've been ranting. Like Matt, what do you feel like? You asked us. We didn't. We need no, to it's it's 
it starts with i mean yeah we we looked at fulham as our chance to get some inspiration for somebody to to take the game and say this is not how we play this is this is where this ends this is where we we right the ship and take some momentum into liverpool and instead we made them look like fucking manchester city and i mean honestly it could have been 8 to nothing i feel like fulham did us a favor and took their foot off the freaking gas and i mean then with liverpool to have that stadium sounding like it did pre-kickoff and like you said the first 15 minutes just absolutely deafening to guys when you can hear the kp through your tv at home it is loud in there and it did not stop making noise for damn near 15 minutes until our our players our own players sucked the very life out of the 30,000 plus that it showed up and done their job and we're being loud and we're drowning out the Liverpool support. You could not hear a fucking single Liverpool song until Jurgen Klopp and his boys just decided that, you know, we're just going to will this. We want this way more and we're just about to show you. And I don't know how you could be anything other than just resigned to, you know, I fucking player next year in the championship because that's how we're all going to be watching the games, watching this effort. Now, I mean, is there some crazy chance that this team shows up against Newcastle like what what hope do you have that, that what have we seen at all in the last four months that gives you any hope whatsoever that we can show up and and get a result there it, it, it's I just it's very very disheartening and uh it, it's been a tough week for me you know kind of coming to the realize realization that you know, it's been eight years of of being fucking spoiled as Leicester fans. And, you know, I think we all we all have a little, uh, you know, bit of crow to eat. And, and I've definitely been guilty about thinking that we were we were safe and beyond this point with our with our ownership situation being as strong as it was, we thought and our. You know, when 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 Brendan was riding the riding the world and, and we had all of this, you know, fifth place finishes here and FA Cup there. And I, I, it, it's just it's it's a tough realization and a pill to swallow now seeing where we are and where we're headed as a club. And 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 yeah, I, Matt, I'm having Matt. Dennis Wise flashbacks and shit and it's, and it's keeping Matt, me up at night. I, I disagree with you having to have that sense of realization. Matt, the past eight years has set an expectation for what this club should be from the top down. We shouldn't be in this position. This position is purely due to mismanagement throughout the club, whether it's at the top with Rudkin and Whelan and the way they've gone about this mess, whether it's in the decision-making around Rodgers, whether it's in the investment in the players. This is self-inflicted. This isn't a real... Leicester City, as fans of Leicester City, we should not be coming to terms with the fact that we're relegated. This isn't 20 years ago. This isn't the days of Junior Lewis and Spencer Pryor and all of those. This isn't Filbert Street anymore. This is a this is a team that has had significant investment, has the fourth biggest wage bill, 180 million a year we spend in wages. This is just a mess. And I know we'll talk about it in the off-season, what needs to happen to change this, mate. But no, you shouldn't think that this is a real... This is the result of mismanagement and us as fans have, have to suffer from this. Players are going to leave in the summer. We know who's going to leave. Like those guys, 
you can argue they're just playing it in at this moment in time. But it's just don't feel like this shouldn't happen to Leicester City, mate. Like this really. Yeah. really no, you're 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 right. You're right. But I, you know, I was thinking that as many books and 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 stories and studies that have been done or could be done in the future on our title winning season i think it would be just as interesting 10 years from now to get the real story on what the fuck has happened with this club behind the scenes because there's just things that don't make sense that you go down in these little questions at the time where we were like that's weird the chickens are all coming home to roost now as far as all the weird little things that we we've wondered about and seen and questioned and and we're really starting to see it now jim yeah like matt to your point of like what like what was our low point oh i i wish i could moan about claude Puel and his team right now oh yeah you know at least that team boring football boring football 10th you know. place <laughs> yeah exactly this and chris to your point this is the team that's the 17th richest club or on revenue in the world, 17th highest revenue in the world. But look at how much we are spending. Look how much money we've lost yet. Yeah, I feel like what we have to the point of mismanagement and, and sort of becoming complacent. The fact that we had the revenue we did was about success on the pitch. Look, it's right that we rewarded players that got us there, but to to kind of consistently overpay for the mediocrity that we have signed is criminal. Like, think about like we know we don't know exactly how much everybody earns, but you know, talk of Van, San, you know Vestergaard being on eighty grand a week, talk of Samare being on that. Look, I saw talk of. Um, you know, already putting KDH on that level sort of money after sort of one season of really playing. Uh, signing, you know, like signing players that we aren't using. Like, where's Harry Suter gone already? You know, Tete, we know he's not, he's a lone player and he's not made the grade. Um, not having a sort of a plan for when people leave. Like, you know, yeah, I think, Schmeichel is clearly something's going to come out when we see that, that he left, you know, but to leave as quickly as he did, you know, I'm not saying that if we had Schmeichel, we would not be relegated because I think he was clearly on the wane and his performances of Nice have, have shown that, but the leadership, the fact that the standards that he set would not be tolerated, um, paying a freaking manager 8 million pounds a year, who then at the first sign of adversity, threw everybody under the bus before himself. Look, I think we talked about this in the pod. You know, everyone, I think everyone is like looking back now and saying, what was the point we thought that this was the wheels were falling off? Like, I think there are a number of people who sort of said, including, including that I think us on this pod, I'm not saying, hey, look at us with our clairvoyance, but should Rogers have gone last at the end of last season or should he have certainly gone after we had a terrible start to this season? You know, I think we, again, we had the run before the world cup that flattered to deceive in a way, because it's not sustained. It wasn't sustainable. Um, and I think the change would have been good for everybody at the point when your coach is blaming 
the management leadership that he's not getting what he needs he's not able to do it yet he's still how much did we spend over the winter transfer window really you know it wasn't like we've had to go and rub two pennies together and get free transfers and loans you know we got we did get well fast in you know not really convinced i think that was a bit of a panic buy there's probably others over and it was probably more of a oh crap we bet we need to just get someone in who's fits our profile the fact that we had one of our best defenders in the last recent games with under soyan chu just not being with the squad and training on his own like we we can look at all that compounding and i think it's death of a thousand cuts it's it's just players falling off you know i think i look at last night madison i don't know if he's overcompensating i think he's a player that you can see actually does care i think he's got some personal pride but i think it's showing but again he's doing too much and it's making him ineffective on the pitch like how many times did he spin 360 degrees 720 degrees like he was freaking tony hawk with the ball and then just not release it and not and, or play a pass that was a panic pass at the end um yori tillemans moves less than a freaking foosball player you know he moves side to side and he can kick a ball hard like a fucking foosball midfielder like that to me is like it's there's no organization there's yeah. there's no effort and i've been a bit worried about smith the last couple of games that when it wasn't working he wasn't changing things like we the first game he came in we talked about this and said basically best in-game management we have seen this season you know low bar yeah. 55th minute he was making changes yeah and then last night you know yeah we were probably out of it by that point right um so but like react do something like it was too easy for liverpool there was no pressing and there was no pressure and you know i think Pipe, matt piper talked about this on radio leicester but there's a difference between pressing and pressure pressing is everybody organized and and squeezing out and, and making the pitch smaller for the opposition pressure is individual players going and harrying the ball carrier or putting pressure on runners to stay close and we didn't do either we just said liverpool wander around like you are playing in a freaking soccer aid testimonial yeah. so this is the most and i think you can probably hear in all our voices that this is just this is just sort of so just upsetting that we're sort of seeing this foxes never quit like yeah as our mantra not being even lived up to and i i don't think there's a pointing the finger at what you know singular people i think it's just like how did this happen and all of this in one go it's i mean it's 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 just the fact that it's been almost a decade since we've been in this situation i mean like i've said it before but i've got an eight-year-old dog named nigel because when we won the championship i thought as a lester fan winning the championship by 104 points or 106 points whatever it was that was as good as it was gonna get for us right and and now and you know you break up you bring up such a good point about having to point fingers at the top and those involved and no pun intended but guys top is not i am having a tough time not pointing to some of the fingers at top here and you know he has so much infinite goodwill 
um, from us as supporters. It, it really, it almost feels, you know, <laughs> I don't even know. Like it just, it doesn't feel right even saying it, but to, to, to not have pulled the trigger on Brendan um, sooner to not have looked at some of the recruitment done by Rudkin and, and some of these players that, like you said, are not on the pitch now. And, the the contracts given to Ryan Bertrand and Vestergaard mm-hmm. and just go down the list and to not see, you know, Hey, this isn't how it was when dad was running the show. I think um, to either a not a, to, to, to not ask for help and be like, Hey, what do you guys think we should do here? Or B to, 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 to just say, I'm doing this on my own because I'm in charge now and I'm going to make the calls and I'm going to leave these guys and. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just seems like it's just been a disaster, Chris. Yeah, I, I, I might def- try and I might give you a counter to that. Like, in if you think of big business, not, yes, certain decisions are made at the chairman level, but ultimately, as a company, you're only as best as the employees that you employ. And he's employing Whelan and he's employing John Rudkin as director of football to make these decisions on a daily basis. Like the guy maybe just isn't as involved as chairman compared to what it was previously. And he's entrusting people like Whelan and like Rudkin to make these decisions. I mean, give me a second on John Rudkin here. This guy as director of football, maybe a guy that not only relegates us from the Premier League, he takes our under 21s down into division two in the same season through his appointment of youth team coaches. I mean, He's the academy under him. Yes, we had some people come through, but that's been it since then. KDH, Barnes, nothing else coming. We've just sending people out on loan, paying them ridiculous wages. Like the blame, I don't know whether Top is solely to blame for this. I think ultimately some of the decisions in terms of his, in, of the people below him who on day to day running the club have to be looked at. I mean, we have a CFO that spends more time negotiating with Australian loan sharks than he does probably looking at the wage budget, thinking, hang on a minute, are we paying George Hurst 60 grand a week to go to Ipswich on loan? Like, I think just across the board, it's just complacency. It's just a lack of discipline. I think to echo Jim's points when he talked about the game and he talked about pressing, um, all of this requires discipline. And you think about, I go to the second goal yesterday from the, the goal from Allison's kick, where you've got, we're playing a high line. We're trying to minimise that space. And you have Castagne on the other end of the pitch, five yards back compared to the other three defenders. Like, that's discipline. That's just a lack of discipline. It's your fullback who has a perfect view of the line we're trying to play. And instead of looking across it and being flat, he's just five yards back, not giving anything. And it it's those things that just, to Jim's point, death by a thousand paper cuts add up. But ultimately yeah it's just toxic at the minute mate Mm. it really really is and i i think i i I can't disagree with anything on that but i think what we've heard what i've heard about sort of susan whelan is that she's a tenacious negotiator that she's you know she's really well respected amongst the other ceos in the premier league and if she says stuff people listen so I, I would be very interested to see who created the long leash for Rogers and the and not wanting to change things. I, I don't know if I'm like this is accurate, but like I haven't seen Susan Whelan 
as much in crowd shots. I see Top and I see Rudkin. I think we all kind of know that like Rudkin's background has been, you know, he was sort of ran, running the youth setup. And then, you know, you know, as you said, Chris, kind of like Steve Beaglehole for how long was our under under 21, then under 23 coach that didn't, and they didn't play a style that was matching our first 11, which a lot of academies do, you know, and it was a big jobs for the boys and Beagle Hole was his guy and he played hoof football and he'd like all the strong big kids. Um, and we, you know, we'd seen, or he, there wasn't an appreciation for bringing through talent consistently. And the, 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 the players that have come through have all had to go out on loan and do stuff, you know, just look at the fact that we got rid of our loans manager, Guy Branston, who was doing a great job. And then no one was talking to our loanees out, you know, out at the clubs. And then we finally get Robert Huth in and he kind of goes and makes changes and says some of these players are out there not not playing. But they're also not growing anyway. You know, like we have a hundred million dollar training facility in Seagrave. We've had more injuries in the last two seasons than any other Premier League team I can think of. You know, we've had, you know, we prided, you know, we won the league and we, we got to, you know, we got to like our high positions by outrunning, outfighting and having the heart. And I think we've seen it just like drop off a cliff and we saw it coming the last season, the mentality had gone, you know, we, we, you know, I think saying we bottled some big games and events is, I don't think inaccurate, like think about we had a great chance to get to the final of the um, Europa Conference. We did, we bottled even getting out the group stages of the Europa League in a pretty easy group, apart easy from group, Napoli, yeah. right? Um, we shouldn't have failed on that. We, you know, the the, the tail offs that we've had as a start are scary. Uh, yeah, look, we've had massive highs, and I think. You know, everybody's probably seen the sort of on Facebook and social media, the story, you know, the Leicester City with the genie story or whatever about, hey, you get nine years of all this stuff and then you're going to get relegated again and you're going to take it. And I think but to have the memories of the last nine years and win the league and win the FA Cup and get to quarterfinals of the Champions League, get to the semifinals of another European Cup, and then say at the end of it, you have to get relegated. You know, 2013, we'd have taken it, right? But this is 2023, and I don't want to take it. I don't want to pay it. <laughs> sorry, you know. Sorry, you know. This is like Dante's. Um, this is like you know whatever the the contract. You know the devil's coming to cash in on now on your soul, and we don't we don't want to pay up. We know, but it's not. But I think the fact is, it's just through the level of just sort of lack of planning, lack lack of continuity planning lack of sort of trying to build a squad. I don't know, like, you know, eating up our money because we've overpaid players that maybe have been on too long a contract, letting players run down contracts that we should have tried to ship and sell. You know, I know we probably maybe did market Yuri Tillemans. You know, we got him to sign another one-year extension. I think we're all happy at the time that he did it. But we also were worried that is this just another repeat of last year? Like, and, you know, I think we've seen completely different Yuri this season than we did. Oh, last. dude. Yeah. Um, the kind of Jamie Vardy, you know, he's in, he's out, he's in, you know, he, you know, luckily he got some goals, but um, 
the guys offside all the time. We're not we're not we're not thinking about it. I think we've been really unlucky with Ianacho getting injured as he did. Like think about like how long ago does it feel like Ianacho's groin exploding to create the assist to the assist? <laughs> yep. Like I feel like that's a different lifetime away. That that guy put his body on the line clearly was in incredible pain and just the fact that throughout the season whenever he's been called on he's at least put effort in and quite often tried think about a season when we thought we were going to get you know in shit the other time and he came and scored how many goals like he he was our top scorer like some of that stuff has just gone out you know we've like but just to I think just at the moment, it's like, where's where's Mendy? Like, I, again, a year ago, would we have said, where's Mendy if he knew indeed he was going to start? Where's Wilf gone? Yeah, I think I'm going to give him credit, but like Samare actually tried again in the second half yesterday. Um, I think we, like, Harvey Barnes just is sort of an enigma, right? He gets goals, look at his stats, great. Madison not already doing it, but Jamie Vardy was 30 yards on his own for 90% of that game. And we couldn't get the ball. We couldn't get to them. Timothy Castagna has just dropped off the face of the earth from a, a guy that was like, like how many weeks ago since he scored the goal that was, you know, to make it to tie the game. And he just seems like he's got zero confidence in his own abilities in what he's doing um like it's just uh, you look across the pitch you know luke thomas came on and tried but we know he's limited in what he can do like i was screaming for someone like wild fast after you know the first mistake i don't want to see this guy play again the rest of the season yeah he gets you know he gets 7.1 on who scored who knows what who scored you know rate it from you know the fact he probably did some last ditch tackle right but at least, like we ha- we had a few corners, no threat, set pieces, no threat. James Madison, who's supposedly one of the best dead ball takers in from from England in the Premier League, cannot hit a Leicester player to save his life. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know, man. When was the last time any of you got excited over a free kick? Like when we got a free kick anywhere around the pitch, like. It, I'm resolved to the fact that it's just not going in. We're going to hit the line. Same with penalties now. I know we're going to miss penalties. Like it's it's as bad as it's been, man, in a very long time, and it's it's not fun. And and uh, <laughs> I don't even know when you when you watch an effort like that. It's not even as if you know we had guys getting red cards because they're they're throwing last ditch tackles like bad tackles because they're getting frustrated. We just got a bunch of guys just don't give a fuck. Like they're literally talking to their agents after like where am I playing next year? And that's for me that's what I think is the most disappointing. Chris. Well, based on some of the performances they're putting out on the pitch, not much higher than we might be next season anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, I think three quarters of this team will, you know, end up playing at a at a higher level if if we end up. Oh yeah, Timothy Castagna's got like Wolfsburg written all over him. You know, Yuri Tielemans has got, um, you know, Eintracht Frankfurt. I think you know you think that Dennis Pratt is going to go, you know, Liga. 
maybe. Yeah. But like, like Dennis Prater's credit, he actually tried last game. He was inept, but he tried. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like, you know, yeah, for the like, counts. Victor Christensen <laughs> is trying, but inept. You know, same with, same with Luke Thomas. Like, you know, is that, you know, I don't, I don't know what, like. I don't, I know what you're saying, Jim, but I'm just so far past the fucking point of, oh, he tried real hard. Like, I am just beyond that point with this team and it's so frustrating. Is it like James Madison's going to go to Villa, isn't he? We know it. Yeah. Or he's not going, I don't think he'll be good enough for Newcastle. Like the way he plays, you know, if he gets back on his form and he's doing well, but. Like I think he's got Villa written all over him. The he's way the new Graylish. The... Well, I think he's just like they're gonna just spend a shit ton of money. They seem to be though, you know, super rich now. You know, they're kind of punching. He's sort of he can be a big dog at that team. Um, you know, sorry people who are probably screaming at them. Like, James Madison's better than that, but like Yuri yeah. Tielemans is definitely not gonna be in a in a Premier League. Team. Your Tealmans might be playing for St. Louis FC, if I'm being quite <laughs> honest. If he's lucky. No, I echo your points, Jim. I think, yeah. I mean, based on the performances, these players uh, at best mid-table Premier League, at worst, <laughs> probably at worst more likely. I would say at worst, um, probably 19th in the Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, to me, the obvious one is, I think people have said this, but bonds to someone like West Ham, Seems like the Kymer's shoe in, or maybe Barnes is the, maybe Barnes is the Villa shoe in. Yeah, could so, be. Yeah, but could no, be. I I don't know. I think I feel like someone like Harvey Barnes is someone who might just try and stay for a season if we go down. Well, we'll see. I I, I would think, love. I, to I feel think. like Ricardo Pereira, even though he we could get some, he would be someone who might stay for a season. I just feel like that guy has you know, again. He just came back from injury and he started against Liverpool. Johnny Evans came back from it. Like Johnny Evans on the team sheet last night was a big shock for me. You know, oh, why don't you just play against the most dynamic front 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 three in the league where like Liverpool have been underperforming all season, but now, you know, Jurgen Klopp and team have probably said, hey, I'm having enough of this. We're going back in the Champions League. You know, they look like a team who are on a mission to go and just, you know, the, I've watched the last few games they played. They're on a mission to crush everybody. Like, you know, you've got Klopp's got attitude. He gives us, you know, he was arguing about nothing. And then like, we hadn't seen that, you know, Brendan Rogers with his little claps as, you know, pipe says, you know, nothing, no inspiration. So anyway, I think we're kind of, Apologies. Hopefully, listeners are like enjoying the rant and yeah, <laughs> thinking they're not alone as they listen to us. You know, you're certainly not alone. They're just well, hearing shit they've been saying in their own brains. For yeah, me. exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I think just to spend two minutes on that, when you saw the lineup yesterday and you saw Evans in the team, it did give that sense of almost like the rolling of the last dice, like kind of just hundred like, percent, dude. It's like, it's like, man, okay, listen. You're, playing, you're playing FIFA or summer and you've got your last game and you see the player at 72%. You're like, I'm just putting him in, just put him in, mm-hmm. give, him, yeah. give me 60 minutes. I mean, the ironic thing, the thing that I thought was just great is that we're three nil down and we started to do bloody man management with some of the, like two games of the season left. Our relic, our 
season in tatters and we're bringing off Evans and Ricardo at 60 yeah. and 65 minutes because of just bringing them back from injury. I thought Ricardo was quite good. Well, Evan, Evan played 89 minutes. And Evan's 89, sorry. Yeah, I, I, switched off at, I switched off at 80, mate. I just couldn't watch last time. I, I think like the Harvey Barnes substitution was a bit, was the most shocking for me out of that 60, 60th minute one because it was a bit like he's sort of trying he can run he's you know you know he he was he's got like something in his locker that he can do and he also brings the balance to the team and like the fact you saw tete go and play left midfield for like five minutes and then all of a sudden what? it was like five him seconds. And, oh you guys swap and it's like pats and daka why okay you had like half a you know you put it in for a little bit dude as a left midfielder you know when harvey barnes was out injured but why aren't we changing the shape what are we doing it just was nothing sorry matt i know you, i cut you off then no you didn't at all i was just thinking back in my head when uh we decided to fucking ship marky albrighton off and he was really you know who who would want a high character guy that just his engine just runs 100 percent, and you know that compared with Casper leaving and just watching the identity of what we've built this team around the last decade just slowly strip away. I think it happened so slowly that none of us really even realized that it was happening. And now we're left with a bunch of self swords and Jamie Vardy. And it's, it's just fucking man. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's and really sad to watch. We also had even just to compound it, the tease of, uh, yesterday oh yeah of course then you watch it and you watch the first replay and you're like no that's a goal you know it's yep. one of those where okay you know first goal please be var please please be var oh no no way is that var no. in a million years look at how many players are playing coach jones he <laughs> ran from deep second goal poof oh wait oh that could be var that could be uh, nope nope Johnny Evans back leg or whatever it was, or was that Castagna in the second one? And then, you know, the third goal was just, yeah, just Trent Alexander. Why don't you just let the best ball striker, you know, apart from Kevin De Bruyne in the league have like two hours to line up a free kick. Like, you know, no worries. roll over to him and just don't even close him down. Just let him line it up. So. Yep. Well, the calamity continues, guys. Next Monday, uh, for your <laughs> enjoyment. Uh, yeah, just just keep the Mondays rolling on here. And we were speaking before the pod, guys, and talking about how you know I was I brought up the fact that the Premier League didn't did us no favors with this run in of four Mondays in a row, the most crucial part of our season. And you know, Jim or Chris, I can't remember who, but one of you rightly said that. Or at least, or maybe they were just giving us a stage to do it on prime time to save our season and and have something to show. And instead, we've just done the exact opposite and <laughs> Shit the shown how inept we were. Yeah. TV. yeah, yeah. I guess is there silver lining for US foxes that we're actually at work and we can just don't have to worry about it now. I know. Look, I know we all have to either sneak a glance or avoid social media and watch it that evening. Yeah. And you know. On one hand, you know, you know, you two of my you two of my best friends, and it's like, text me and tell me not to bother. But I also know that like you don't want to do that because it's like, <laughs> like we don't want to 
we know you want to, and I think it's the same for all of us. I think everybody is a Leicester fan. If if you want to avoid it and watch it as live, you know, as, as we like to say, you know, we respect our friends that we don't, we let them enjoy it and then they can right. text you afterwards and say, what the hell? And you let them wallow or you let them enjoy because, you know, win or lose, we're Leicester fans and, you know, we, we will all cancel our Peacock subscriptions very shortly, you know, because, you know, nothing else to really watch on Peacock anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then, um, I guess, is iPlayer cheaper? No, it's <laughs> uh, it's not actually, which makes sense. Um, no, I follow but I, iPlayer. I follow iPlayer is free. I follow or I yeah something. Um, don't worry, guys. We'll we'll keep you all posted if that becomes uh, the reality of how we have to watch games next year on how to make that all work. But I found myself in the weird position this week, uh, Jim of consoling some newer american fans that became fans around 2016 in our san diego foxes group chat and just explaining to them and i luckily i've christened that same chat to just remind us of of who we of who we were and and the fact that we were a yo-yo club but then yeah chris you make such a good point i struggle with the fact that we now have a hundred million dollar training facility in seagrave but Mm. we're have a very strong chance of being relegated so and 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 so those leicester fans that joined us in 2015 16 welcome to the real leicester you're one of us now you're one of us and it it's more exciting and please don't become burnley fans because of jj watt (laughs) yeah what is that about dude that's the new cool thing for nfl players is to own a chunk or a percentage of a uh football team all, all i'll say is you guys next season if we do go down you're in for one hell of a geography lesson when we start <laughs> having to explain where some of these places are <laughs> yeah. and we look forward to to, to map pronouncing some of them yes on, on the as well. <laughs> can't wait we'll have norwich back absolutely can't wait norwich back yeah all sorts of fun stuff. So, yeah, guys, uh, Monday will roll around. And uh, one thing we know for sure is Leicester will play Newcastle. They will line up on the pitch against each other. Beyond that, uh, who the fuck knows? We can hope for the best, but they've given us no reason to do that thus far. So just being honest with you guys, we'll see what happens. And, uh, yeah, we'll we'll be here to report on it because after that match, it's West Ham on, on the final Sunday. And, God only knows. Hopefully, we're in a position where we're we're table watching at that point. But few few results either way, and then and, and it could it could all be over. But as we've said five hundred times on this podcast, guys, no matter what, no matter what happens, we will be here to commiserate with you or celebrate with you. Hopefully, and uh, yeah, it's, it's that's why we do this thing, and and we thank you guys for listening to us do it uh, each week or so depending on how our work schedules work out. So on that note, Chris, final words for the listeners before we uh, head off into the night. Well, if you're the Leicester City business development team, you are the most confident people, I think, in the club at this moment in time. Because judging from the announcement today, Matt, a week before the start of the championship, two weeks before the Premier League, we're in Singapore playing Liverpool in a preseason friendly. So those guys are optimistic in at least in the BD department. So who knows? Maybe they know something that we don't know. 
Well, someone's optimistic. Jim, your uh, your feelings. Keep the faith. <laughs> okay. Amen. Okay. I love it. Guys, on that note, for uh, our other co-hosts are going to make it tonight in New York City, Mr. Jason Becker, who I uh, he hopefully can join us back next week and let you know because he's he's uh, got some strong feelings as well. So hopefully the boys do something on Monday that completely throw a cog in that and uh, make us all come back and be very hopeful next week uh, on the U.S. Foxes podcast. But until then, thank you for joining us as always. We love you. Uh, we ain't going nowhere. The Foxes might be going uh, down, but we'll be there regardless. So thank you, as always, for joining us on the U.S. Foxes podcast. We will see you next time. Cheers.